Anytime. The tissues. First, just to remember what the tissues are. Tissues are a group of cells which are, let me go this, highlighting some things, groups of cells similar in structure that perform common or related function. That is the definition of a tissue. Groups of cells that have a common function. They work together for some common function. And what we do is histology. That's the study of the tissues. Second, there are only four types of tissues. Only four. Epithelial tissue, connective tissue, muscle tissue, and nervous tissue. There's only four types of tissue. You can get any organ in the body, any part of the body, and you can identify only four types of tissues. And what's the next level of tissue? What are the group of tissues working together make? The organ, right? So you get an organ like the liver, and in the liver you will find two, three, or the four types of tissues perhaps. The slides that we're working with, they are from organs. And many times, you notice that last week, if you say, where is the simple cuboidal in the kidney? Where is the simple squamous? We can also see it in the kidney. Uh, skin, stratified squamous epithelium. But it also has dense irregular connective tissues. So the skin is an organ, and it contains uh, different types of tissue, but only maximum four. There's no more than four types of tissue. And these are some examples of where to find all these four types of tissues. Nervous tissue, brain, spinal cord, muscle, very simple, just the muscle, which is of three types, as we will see, skeletal muscle, cardiac muscle, and smooth muscle. Epithelial tissue, skin is the best example of epithelial tissue, the epidermis. We're going to study that more on Thursday. And connective tissue, which covers a big, big portion of the tissues of the body, um, including bones, tendons, fat, and other types of connective tissue. The study of tissues, histology. We use the microscope. And in the lab last time, I explained how to prepare, how we prepare those slides, and how we always have to keep that image in our minds, that this is a slice of, a of an organ or a tissue. And we always have to uh, figure out the image that we're seeing that is just a slice of an organ or a specimen. And these are the steps that we follow, fix the tissue, section the tissue in slices, and at the end, stain them. We stain them using different types of dyes and um, ready to be seen under the microscope to differentiate the different structures, the different types of cells, the color of the nucleus, the cytoplasm aspect, and uh, that's the reason why we use the stains. So let's start with the epithelial tissue. Epithelial tissue, it's understood as something that covers. It's like a sheet, there's like cover of any material that is covering different parts of our body. Skin is the best example. It's covering the whole body and wrapping the whole body. 
But there, uh, you can see it in two, in two ways. One, like covering or like glands because epithelial tissue can also be part of uh, glands. That's what we call glandular epithelium. And in general, the functions of the epithelial tissue are listed here. Protection, it's covering. Absorption, filtration, excretion, secretion, and even sensory perception, sensory reception. So that includes most of the types of epithelia that we will see. Protection, skin, for instance, is the best example of how the epithelial tissue protects. Absorption, we have seen simple esquamous epithelium in the kidney, where filtration, absorption is needed. The lungs. And epithelial tissue, we distinguish or recognize these characteristics. Polarity, contacts, which are specialized, is always resting or supported by the second type of tissue, which is connective tissue. Snow blood vessels, there are nerve endings. And last, it regenerates. Is always replacing the old cells. So let's see one by one some description of these characteristics with some pictures. First of all, when we describe this epithelial tissue, we always recognize two surfaces. The apical surface and the basal surface. It's like saying top and bottom, but it's not exactly top and bottom. Yes. Can you talk first and then slow down and let us uh, write down and then uh, propagating? Yeah, sure. Um, I was saying that these characteristics are important about the epithelial tissue. The first one is polarity. Is when you see the slide, when you see the, the, the tissue under the microscope, you may see it like this, like this picture that we see in the corner. with, And you can say, well, the cells are on the top part of the field. Or if you see it upside down, you may say, oh, the cells are at the bottom. But it's not, it's not completely correct to use top and bottom for, for the description of the cells in epithelium. It's better to say apical and surface and, and basal surface. The apical surface, as described here, is a part that is exposed to the surface or exposed to a cavity. Like we see here in this picture in the corner, these cells, one, two, three, four cells, are part of the epithelium. And this part right here that we can say top is exposed, is open. So that is the one that we say apical apical surface and the part of the cells that is resting on a membrane here like the floor like the bottom that is called the basal surface of the cell so these cells are resting on a lamina on a membrane 
it has a name. It's called the basal lamina. It's like a sheet that we place there and we put all the pieces on top. That's the basal lamina. Always the epithelium, the epithelial cells are resting on a basal lamina. What is a basal lamina? It's part of what we call basement membrane. This picture is too small, but there are other pictures in the next slide where this picture is bigger. We can see it better. Um, basement membrane, and we'll see that always in every type of epithelium. The second characteristic is called specialized contacts because all the cells are together. But we can recognize some specialized structures that we studied and when we did cells. And we call them tight junctions, desmosomes, cell junctions. Well, in this case, for epithelium, we can see tight junctions and desmosomes, which are specialized things that will connect to neighbor cells, as we see here. And they will be connected by the lateral surface, so the side part of the cells. And that's what we see here in this picture. These two desmosomes with intermediate filaments that serve to connect these two neighbor cells. In the skin, we have these, and that allows the skin to be stretched, and you don't tear it apart. It's, it's kind of elastic. Connective tissue support. All these cells are resting on a floor, a layer of connective tissue. That's a principle. Always the epithelium, if you see cells, whichever type of epithelium it is, they are resting on connective tissue. Connective tissue that can be of different types that we will see. There is a membrane that belongs to the connective tissue, and that's where the cells are resting. And this membrane is called basement membrane this basement membrane, and it has two components. Basal lamina, which is the, 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 the laminal layer where the cells are resting, and under the lamina, there's another layer called reticular lamina. But both are part of this membrane called basement membrane. And you always will see, and we'll mention this again, the cells are resting on the basement membrane. Now that we're talking about this, uh, let me bring to, uh, to the description of these cells the concept of malignant cells. Imagine these four cells. If one of these cells gets abnormal, like in cancer, that's what we call malignant cells. If one of these cells turns abnormal in cancer, what happens is these cells since they are abnormal, they start invading other tissues. Yes? I got a report that there was internet problems in this room. Uh, I've not noticed. I've been using internet, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. 
and one of these malignant cells will start to invade other tissues. That's what cancer does. Like if this happens in the mammary gland or in the lung, those, these cells are resting on basement membrane. This basement, basement membrane, uh, membrane actually serves and helps to keep these cells apart from other tissues. Well, if this malignant cell starts growing and without control, it will start invading and cross the basement membrane and start invading the connective tissue underneath. That's why it's important when we see biopsies of tissues in people with cancer or some tumor, we go and see if the epithelium, for instance, epithelial cells are abnormal and if they are invading, crossing the basement membrane. If they cross the basement membrane, then we talk about different stage of cancer, invasion of other tissues. But sometimes we see the cells abnormal, but the basement membrane is fine. So in those cases, it's malignant, but the stage of the cancer is not so advanced. Questions to this point? This is important concept, avascular but innervated. Avascular means there's no blood vessels in the epithelium. But there are nerve fibers. As we see again in this picture, the yellow fibers are running in the connective tissue. Those are the nerve endings. And you can see one of the branches reaching the epithelium, reaching the cells of the epithelium. Blood vessels, the blood vessel is down here. It's in the connective tissue. There is no blood vessels in the epithelium. Well, we have a burn in the skin, like a sunburn. After three, five days, what happens is our skin peels off. Well, that is the epithelium that we're losing. The epithelium, the cells that are being damaged and they are being replaced. We don't bleed. The cells just slough off, but we don't bleed because there's no blood vessels there. And even sometimes when you get injured, like scraping or something, you can even peel your skin off and there's usually no bleeding. If there's bleeding, that means that you are reaching the connective tissue under the epithelium. You are going through the basement membrane. The basement membrane has been damaged and bleeds because the damage is deep enough to reach these blood vessels. So that's another important concept about the epithelium. No blood vessels, but there are nerve endings and hurts. That's the reason why some burn hurt. And regeneration. Regeneration is the ability that these cells have to be replaced. Just in the last example, some burn, our skin peels off because the cells are injured by the radiation. They are burned. New cells are growing up under and pushing up, pushing out all these old cells that are damaged. Epithelium has regenerative capacity, and that happens wherever you find epithelium. This example here is taken from intestine. In intestine, in small intestine, we are always replacing the cells because they are simple columnar and they are exposed to injuries. All the foods that we eat, sometimes the food damages, or there are bacteria, and they damage the cells, and all the cells are being replaced. Here on the very top, 
these red cells are damaged and die and the cells in yellow that are um, on this side and this folding will push them out and re replace them that's important part of the healing process when we have a wound a skin a wound in the skin a wound anywhere it heals all the epithelium these layers of cells are replaced so again the five characteristics polarity specialized contacts supported by connective tissues avascular but innervated and regeneration these are the five important characteristics of the epithelial tissue. Now let's go to the classification of the tissues. We've been doing uh, seeing the tissues under the microscope, but we have to have this classification clear in our mind because it will help us even to remember the different types of tissue. How we classify the, 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 the tissues, the epithelium, there are two names that we use. Two names. The first name and the second name. The first name tells us about the number of layers, the number of cell layers. And we can have a simple epithelium, which is a single layer, or stratified epithelium, which means two or more layers. And the second name tells us about the shape of the cells, which can be of three types. Squamous, squamous, cuboidal, and columnar. Three shapes that we can use to describe the different types of epithelium. Now, there is an observation here, because if we have a stratified epithelium, that means two or more layers, the second name that we assign can be squamous, cuboidal, or columnar. But when we say stratified squamous, for instance, like the skin is a stratified squamous, the squamous refers to the shape of the cells in the apical layer. So we take a look at the cells on the apical layer. We can say the top layer of the epithelium, with layers of two or more. And the shape of those cells, that's the one that determines the second name in cases of stratified epithelium. And that's why in your lab reports, you have all this classification in the first page, say simple, and we can have three different types. Simple squamous, simple cuboidal, simple columnar. Now moving to the stratified type, we can have stratified squamous, stratified cuboidal, and stratified columnar. We have all these different combinations. We can get up to uh, six different types of tissues.
That's another example of picture to show these concepts of apical surface, basal surface, in the cases of simple squamous, uh, uh, simple epithelium, or stratified epithelium. And as we said, the apical surface, these layers here, I mean, these cells are in the apical layer, and they, their shape is the one that determines the name of this epithelium. Here we see that these cells are a little flat, so we can say this is a stratified, a stratified squamous. These cells in the basal surface are more cuboidal. We don't take that. We take the shape of the apical layer of cells to name this type of epithelium. Any questions? Is this classification clear? And the different types of shapes, as we have seen, squamous, remember that when you see the cells, the squamous like this, is because you're seeing them in a section. If you see them from the top, and this is a 3D representation, it looks like a tile. It looks like a tile, the ones that we use on the floor. Flat cells. Cuboidal, in this case it's a section, you see it like a square, but in the 3D representation, and this is how we should think about it always, it looks like that. Or in the columnar, same, same figure. Now let's start with every single, or every type of tissue. As we say, two names, first name, second name, simple, squamous epithelium. Simple squamous epithelium. We'll start with the simple type, the one layer. Function, absorption, secretion, filtration. Why? Because it's only one layer. It's easy for the substances to go across the cell. We study the transport mechanisms, endocytosis, exocytosis, transcytosis. The substances go across the cell. Like, like what happens in the and the examples are here, in the lungs, oxygen, carbon dioxide, in the kidneys, where we filtrate many substances for excretion or secretion. Flat cells, few amount of cytoplasma for those cells. Now, worth mentioning, two special types which have different names. They have their own names, but they are simple squamous. They are still simple squamous. One is endothelium, which is the lining of blood vessels. As you go in the next chapters of the systems, it will be seen also inside the heart, inside the lymphatic vessels, but remember this, blood vessels, cardiovascular system, the inner lining of the blood vessels is a squamous epithelium, but it has a specific name, it's endothelium. In the other case, the other special name for some of these epithelial types is mesothelium. Where we find this? Body cavities, ventral body cavity, like inside the abdominal cavity, inside the pleural cavity where the lung is. So these two, endothelium and mesothelium, they are simple squamous, 
but since they are located in some specific parts, they have a specific name. And all these pictures we have in the lab manual, they are very good because they show you a picture, a photograph under the microscope, and they give you a brief summary here. Single layer, the function of this, this type of epithelium, and the location, some examples, what part of the body or which organs contain this type of tissue. Simple cuboidal, the next type, simple cuboidal. Single layer, the shape of the cells is like a cube. Where we find them? Well, first, the function. They are related with functions of secretion and absorption. Secretion and absorption, like kidney tubules. We have used the kidney slide, kidney to see this type of epithelium, simple cuboidal. And there's another place where we find them in some glands, ducts of their glands. We'll see some glands at the end of this presentation and describe the structure of these glands. Picture of the kidney. We have seen this in our slides single layer cube-like cells, secretion and absorption are their functions, kidney tubules, examples, and small glands, secretory portion, ducts of small glands. And they give you some other examples of some other organs, like in this case, the ovary surface. The surface of the ovary is lined by simple cuboidal epithelium. For the lab practical, for the lab practical, uh, what you have to do regarding tissues is uh, first make sure you identify the type of tissue. Make sure to describe it properly. Like if you see um, a depiction of this type of epithelium, you should be able to answer simple cuboidal epithelium using the proper description of each type of tissue. Second, you should know at least one place in the body where we find it. Like if you see simple columnar, you should be able to say, we find this in the small intestine. At least one place where we find these types of tissues. And third, what are the main function of them? Like in this case, if you see simple cuboidal, that's related with secretion and absorption. Simple columnar, tall cells, tall cells closely packed, very close one to another. We see some cell junctions here. We gave some examples before. Some of these cells, and uh, the best example for simple columnar, always keep this in your mind, is digestive tract. Digestive tract. That means, starting from the stomach, stomach, the next portion of the digestive tract, the stomach is small intestine, then large intestine. All these three are lined by simple columns. 
And there are more like the gallbladder, just some ducts or some glands, uterine tubes. Function, absorption and secretion again. These are the types of cells where we find microvilli. Microvilli, we talk about microvilli, these finger-like projections of the membrane to increase the uh, surface area for absorption. And we get the example here. This picture is showing a very large magnification. So you can see the cells with a very detail. And even on top, you can see on the apical surface of the cell, you can see the microvilli, which is seen like a band, like a dark band. We don't see the small projections with this magnification, but we see it like a dark band of the apical surface of the cells. Those are the microvilli. And you have more examples down here of the location. Stomach, as we say, stomach to rectum. That means stomach, small intestine, large intestine, rectum. All that is covered by a simple columnar epithelium. Absorption, yeah, absorption of nutrients. That's how we absorb the nutrients that we eat. And in between those cells, we find this type of cell called goblet cell. Goblet cells, you see this kind of bubble? That is a special type of cell that is in between these tall cells. And it's clear like that, like a bubble, because it contains mucus. These cells, called goblet cells, are specialized in the production of mucus. And the mucus is produced, so it makes it easier for the food or substances to go and move forward on the surface of the cells. This is a special type called pseudostratified. Separate from the simple and stratified that we are describing. Well, this is a special type called pseudostratified columnar. And we say pseudostratified because this <coughs> prefix pseudo stands for fake, false. We find this Best example, upper respiratory tract, even the larynx, throat, trachea, bronchi. But there's also present, it's also present in other places like glands and even in some tubules in the testicles. They are of this type. But we always use this best example, respiratory tract. Trachea, bronchi are the good examples of them. Cilia are present in most of these cells, in most of these places. And in the case of the respiratory system, it helps, the cilia help to sweep away all the things that we breathe. Particles of dust, carbon particles, smoke, pollution, all the cilia clean up all those things. Pseudostratified column, not epithelium.
Now, it, can, it may be uh, confusing because if you see under the microscope, like in this picture, you can see, like, apparently, there are three, three layers of cells. Apparently. You see this first layer of nuclei, then you see more nuclei here, and you see more nucleus here. And it seems like there are three layers, but no, there's not. There's only one. If you see this picture, this diagram, you will see that there's only one layer of cells, is that the cells have different height. And the nucleus are at different levels. So it gives the impression that many layers, but it's only one. That's why it's called pseudo-stratified. It's not actually stratified. It's only one layer. It's just they are a different, the cells have different heights. Yeah. Sorry? Is there ever uh, just a stratified columnar? Stratified columnar. Yeah, is there ever one? There is, oh, okay. but we're going to talk about that. I'll give you some observations about that particular type. Because if you play with the classification, simple, simple and stratified, you can get up different types. And one of them is stratified columnar. Uh, it's actually, yes, there is that type. But there's only, it's only present in very, very uh, rare situations or very uh, counted places in our body. So let's go and stratify. We'll talk about that in stratify type. Two or more layers. And the word that we should associate with stratified epithelium is protection. Makes sense. More layers, it will give more protection. So whenever we need more protection, the epithelium, the cover will be Stratified, like in the skin. Stratified squamous. This is the one that we have in the skin. Stratified squamous epithelium. Protection is the word associated with this. Now this uh, uh, protection function is achieved by quick replacement, quick regeneration of the cells. And that's why we have many layers at all times these cells are being replaced. The free surface or apical surface is squamous, flat cells. That's the reason why we call it stratified squamous. But if you see deep layers, deeper layers, closer to the connective tissue, you will see that they are cuboidal or columnar cells. But it doesn't matter. The one that we count is the apical layer of cells, which is squamous, stratified squamous epithelium. Skin is the best example. And on the skin, we will see, and we'll see that on Thursday, skin is even more specialized because it has a layer of cells which are dead, but full of a protein called keratin. And we call them keratinized cells. But in other places like the esophagus, we have a stratified squamous, but there's no keratin. It's not keratinized. And even inside the mouth, inside the mouth, if you see the epithelium inside our mouth, it is stratified squamous. Protection is needed. All the food that we eat and chew, etc. But it's not keratinized. Skin is keratinized. And that's what gives the appearance of being dry sometimes. So, dry skin is usually 
because there's a lot of keratin, a lot of layer, a lot of cells uh, in the apical surface. So that stratifies squamous. The best example of skin related with protection. We have the example here. In this case, is esophagus, which is the first portion of the digestive tract. The esophagus connects the pharynx, throat, with the stomach. And it has stratified squamous epithelium. Non-keratinized. Sometimes we are specific when we say non-keratinized or keratinized. But regarding the type of epithelium is stratified squamous epithelium. And here are these special types that if we play, again, if, I, if we play with the classification, we will end up with two types, which are stratified cuboid and a stratified columnar. They are quite rare. Where do we find the stratified cuboid? We can see them in the sweat glands and memory glands. But they're usually two layers of cells, not more than two, stratified cuboid. We are not including these types in the slides or in the exam. Stratified columnar is the other type, very rare, very limited. Where we find it? Well, we see some of them sometimes in the pharynx or in the urethra, in the male urethra, some glands also. But we don't see it typically in many places. Just in those places we see the stratified cuboidal and stratified five columns. So know about them and then forget it. Don't worry about it. Know that they exist, but you won't see them in the slides or in the exam. And the last is transitional epithelium. Transitional. What the word means, transition, the changes how it changes. First, we find it in these places, only in these places. That's another one that is easy to remember. Urinary bladder, ureters, and urethra. That's the only place where we find this type of epithelium. The transitional. And why it's called transitional? Because they, the cells change its shape. The cells change their shape. When? When they are stretched. Urinary bladder gets stretched with urine. Well, if we see a urinary bladder without urine, these cells will have a cuboidal shape. But if we see the urinary bladder stretched with urine, full with urine, then these cells will look flat. That's why it's called transitional, because the cells change its shape according to the state of the organ. And that happens in the urinary bladder, ureters, and urethra. And this example, this picture is showing this transitional epithelium. We see the cells in the apical layer are cuboidal or round. But when we see a cell of urinary bladder stretched with urine, these cells will not look like that. It will look flat. It actually looks like a stratified squamous. 
But usually the slides that we have are like this, relaxed urinary bladder, so you can see it like this. There are some slides that show stretched urinary bladder. I'm not sure if we have those. Um, but again, transitional is found only in the urinary bladder, ureters, and urethra. Questions to this point. We have covered all types of epithelium and um, the classification and made some observations about some types, the function, where we find them, and some things to identify them with the pictures. Now the next part is about, is, is about glands. We're going to talk about glands because we see epithelial tissue in the glands. What are the glands? Glands are cells that are organized to produce and secrete a fluid. And that fluid is called secretion. The best example of this are sweat glands. The sweat glands. The sweat glands are groups of cells that we have in the skin and they produce a sweat, which contains sodium, chlorine, and uh, water. They're very important for control of temperature. Well, the glands are classified according to the site of product release, endocrine and exocrine. Endocrine because the secretion, the fluid that they produce, is secreted internally. An example of these are hormones. And exocrine are the product is secreted to the outside, like the example we gave, the sweat glands. And the gland may be classified according to the number of cells that are part of it. It may be unicellular. We talked about goblet cells in one of the slides, the one that produced mucus. Well, they are considered unicellular glands. Only one cell produces mucus. Or multicellular, like sweat glands, salivary glands that produce saliva, they're made of many, many cells. And why we talk about epi I mean, glands when we talk about epithelium? Because the story goes back to the embryology and the fetal development, the embryology development. Because initially, during the development, you see the skin, and the cells are like this, let's say, one row of cells developing, and all of a sudden, at some point, if glands, like for sweat glands in the skin, you will see that these cells start getting inside the connective tissue like this. And then later, it will be like this. Also, a gland in the skin, and epithelium is here, up here, apical. So that's why we talk about glands when we talk about epithelium, because the glands derive from the epithelial tissue. The mammary glands are modified sweat glands. They originate from the skin, from the cells of the skin. 
many other glands, they originate from the epithelium. So the endocrine glands is a picture of endocrine gland. You see the group of cells, but there is no connection with this row of cells. They originated from here, from these cells. This gland originated from this row of cells, but at some point they lost the contact. There's no communication to the outside. Instead, they are surrounded by blood vessels, and now they produce their fluid, their product, and it releases them to the blood. That's what the hormones are. Hormones are produced by glands, endocrine glands, and they are released to the blood, to the circulation. Endocrine glands, ductless glands. They don't have a duct. They don't have a communication to the outside. And exocrine, exocrine glands, obviously the opposite, they release the product to the outside, the body surface maybe, <coughs> sorry, or maybe into a body cavity. For instance, the intestine. There are glands in the small intestine that produce mucus, that produce enzymes for digestion, and they are exocrine. They release a product not to outside of the body, but out of the epithelium to the inside of the small intestine. Not as straight to the blood like the endocrine. They have ducts. The products are secreted to the ducts and from there to or outside or inside a body cavity or organ. Examples here, sweat glands, oil glands in the skin, salivary glands, and as mentioned, maybe unicellular or multicellular. This picture is depicting a unicellular, a goblet cell with this purple thing here, these little bubbles, which is mucus. It's one cell only. And the multicellular, the typical aspect the product is released to the outside unicellular an important example of unicellular we mentioned that that's a goblet cell cells that produce mucus we have seen them in the respiratory tract intestinal tract we saw examples when we discussed simple columnar or pseudostratified this photograph is from a pseudostratified epithelium and we can recognize these clear areas which is mucus inside the goblet cell and the goblet cell will release the mucus to the apical surface of the epithelium Questions to this point? That's how we see a goblet cell. It's only one cell. And all the secretory vesicles containing the mucus, the mucin, being released to the outside or to the apical surface of this epithelium.
multicellular exocrine glands. Multicellular exocrine glands, they have a duct first, and they have a group of cells which is called secretory unit. And that's where the product is produced, is made. And uh, it's surrounded by uh, connective tissue, always. And it is classified according to the structure and according to the mode of secretion. We'll see some examples of how these exocrine glands are found in our body. According to the structure, we classify these multicellular exocrine glands in simple exocrine glands because the duct is only one, it doesn't have branches, it's only one duct. And we call them compound when these ducts have branches. Tubular gland is when the secretory unit or the secretory cells, they are like a tubular shape. And if it's called alveolar, well, the secretory units are arranged like in sacs. And there may be a combination called tubulo-alveolar according to the shape of the secretory unit. Let's see some pictures to see this better and much clearer. Here, simple, simple duct. The duct does not branch like this one. This is a duct, compound. The duct branches, as we see here, the duct, it gives branches. That's how we call it, simple and compound, according to the duct. If it branches, compound, doesn't branch, simple. And according to the shape of the secretory unit, tubular, this is tubular, this in red is the secretory unit, the cells that produce the sweat, the saliva, or whatever secretion. It has a tubular shape. So this one is called simple tubular. Simple because of the duct and tubular from the secretory unit that is uh, tubular. This one is called simple branch tubular because the secretory unit is tubular but it has different portions, it's like branched. And go to the compound, tubular, compound tubular, the secretory units have this shape of tubular shape. Same for the alveolar. Alveolar means arranged like in a sac. So like the secretory unit is like a sac here. Simple alveolar. The duct is only one simple secretory unit like a sac alveolar. Now, 
As a matter of fact, many of these glands are like this type that we see here, compound alveolar. We see the duct that is branched, compound, alveolar, sacs, secretory unit arranged in sacs. Example, memory gland. Example, memory gland. Questions to this point? I think this is the last one. Oh, there is more. Well, yeah. According to the secretion. Classification according to the secretion. They can be the glands, exocrine glands, maybe merocrine or holocrine. Apocrine, it's another type that is seen in other species. In humans, apparently, it's rare, maybe in mammary gland. The merocrine, the products are secreted by exocytosis. Merocrine, exocytosis. Holocrine, the products are released by rupture of the cell. Like we see this in oil glands in the skin, sebaceous oil glands. We'll see the oil glands when we get to the skin and see how they produce this sebum or oily substance in the skin. And the apocrine, apocrine glands, um, only the apical part of the cell ruptures, but as I said, we usually don't consider this or we don't mention it too much. We only describe merocrine and holocrine according to the secretion. This is classification of the exocrine glands according to the type of secretion or mode of secretion. And a couple of pictures to illustrate this concept. This is in here. Metocrine exocytosis. You can see the secretory vesicles on the cells that are released. This is holocrine. The cell ruptures. You can see the cells here, this one for instance, is rupturing, it's breaking. And pieces of cytoplasm, pieces of cells come out containing the secretion. Those are the main types of glands according to the mode of secretion. Metocrine, exocytosis, holocrine, cell rupture. And yeah, that's the last one. So, we are finished with the description of the epithelial tissue. Any questions, any comments to this point? Let's have a break of 10 minutes and we'll come back for the connective tissue.